Hello and welcome to Sermons from First Press, a weekly podcast from the First Presbyterian Church of Ann Arbor, Michigan. The scripture reading for today comes from the book of Psalms, Psalm 148, praising for God's universal glory. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his host. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He established them forever and ever. He fixed their bounds, which cannot be passed. Praise the Lord from the earth. You sea monsters in all deeps, fire and hail, snow and frost, stormy wind fulfilling his commands, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and women alike, old and young together. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his faithful, for the people of Israel who are close to him. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Our New Testament reading this morning comes from Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Hear the word of the Lord. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. This is the word of the Lord. When my maternal great-grandfather was a young teenager living with his relatives as an orphan in Northeast India, he became the first believer of Jesus in his village. And soon his best friend became another believer. But the powerful Mizo chief in the village was afraid that these young Christians would be a threat to his power. So the two young men were forced to move out of the village. My great-grandfather then lived with Welsh missionaries in another town, and later he went to a Bible college in Northeast India. In the beginning of the 20th century, most of Mizo tribe members were still animists, and they believed that evil spirits and spirits from the forest were causing human sickness and, and bad luck to human beings. 
So they appease those spirits by expensive animal sacrifices. And wars between different tribes were quite frequent, and they were constant, there were constant fears among villagers that their enemies would attack them and burn down their homes. For Mesos, there was not much hope for life on earth and life after death. They lived in fear and darkness for centuries. And we may not live in fear and darkness like Mesos were in the past. But today, there are big problems caused by humans that affect our communities and the world we live in. And recently, we heard in the news like incidents in Ferguson and officers, police officers being killed in New York City. Each year in this country alone, more than 30,000 people are killed by firearms. And around the world, there are millions of people suffering because of those who misuse their powers and those who have issues of fear, aggression, and hate. And our Bible tells us that Joseph and Mary and Jesus had to flee to Egypt as refugees because King Herod perceived this new baby, baby Jesus, to be a threat to his power. Sometimes it is dangerous to be a human. According to the United Nations Refugee Agency, the number of refugees, asylum seekers, and internally displaced people worldwide has for the first time in the post-World War II era exceeded 50 million people in 2014. The Apostle Paul helps us understand that sin is the source of darkness and problems in this world. And sin is relational. And sin has affected all of us and the whole creation. In Galatians, Paul pictures humanity locked up in the dungeon of sin and awaiting the final sentence of death. In his article, You Are Accepted, Theologian by the name of Paul Tillich says, sin is separation. To be in the state of sin is to be in the state of separation. As imperfect people, we ourselves know what it means to be relationally separated from God, separated from, 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 from ourselves, separated from our loved ones and our community. There are times our negative habits cause us to suffer, to live in guilt, to be anxious, to be lonely, and to be even spiritual wonders. When Paul wrote his letter to Galatians, he was not happy because there were Jewish Christians who insisted that Gentile Christians be circumcised and they kept the law. Paul knew well that keeping the law was not going to break the power of sin. We cannot break free from the ultimate sentence of death on our own. We need a Savior to redeem us, to set us free from sin and from the curse of the law. So Paul was telling Galatians, 
Let me remind you of who we really are as the people of God. Let me tell you about the goodness of Jesus and what the good news of Jesus is all about. And Paul said in our text, when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as children. What a great gift and joyful news that God sent Jesus, our Savior, to us. Jesus was not an ordinary baby. Jesus came with a purpose. Jesus came to redeem us, and he came to adopt us into God's family. And Jesus has done so much for us. He has paid the redemption price by dying on our behalf. So now we are set free from the condemnation of sin, and we are set free from the burden of trying to be saved by keeping the law. And by our faith in Jesus, God has adopted us into God's diverse family. And because of Jesus, we have brothers and sisters from every race, tribe, and nation, and language in every corner of the world. We know Jesus by his very special Christmas name, Emmanuel, which means God with us. Our text tells us that because we are God's children, God has sent the spirit of Jesus into our hearts. So we, God's people, are not, no longer led by our own human desires, but we are led by the spirit of Jesus. And we listen to Jesus by prayer and reading of the scripture and coming to the church and encouraging one another. And that's how Jesus transforms us. The spirit of Jesus transforms us. And also the spirit of God transforms communities all over the world. When the good news of Jesus reached Mesos in the 1890s, they began to experience that Jesus was more powerful than, than the evil spirits and spirits from the forest. And Meso people experienced that God's love is even stronger than, than death, and nothing can separate us from God's love. And the spirit of Jesus worked among new Meso believers and they would share the good news with their neighbors and those who have not heard the good news of Jesus. And some would even go to the territories of their former enemies and they would proclaim that Jesus is Lord of life and death. After my great-grandfather left his village and after he finished uh, his theological education, he was ordained as a Presbyterian minister, and he asked the church leaders to send him back to his village to begin a new church. And my great-grandfather was strongly opposed by the chief, but he somehow was able to start a new church with Christians in the village, and lay people were so busy working for the new church, and they would share good news to other neighboring villages 
and, and, and members, new members would come to the church and people would come to the church and the church kept on growing and growing. And in his lifetime, my great-grandfather great baptized over 6,000 believers. And within about five decades, the gospel transformed the entire Meso land, which is about the size of the state of Israel, from the inter-tribal headhunters to believers of the good news of Jesus. And today, Mesos have hope in this life and life after death because of the good news of Jesus. Like Jesus did transformation among Mesos, he reaches out and embraces individuals and all God's people with love and grace. And Jesus is even willing to step into our private lives like he approached and restored a man with a legion of unclean spirits. And Paul Tillich says, grace strikes us when we are in great pain and restless. Grace strikes us when we walk through the dark valley of a, main, a meaningless and empty life, when despair destroys all joy and courage, sometimes at that moment, a wave of light breaks into our darkness, and it is as though a voice were saying, you are accepted, you are accepted, accepted by that which is greater than you. Then Tillich says, simply accept the fact that you are accepted. We are accepted. And Jesus wishes to pour out his mercy upon us. In his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis compares our Lord Jesus to a dentist who discovers more problems in a tooth and fixes it. We may come to God to be cured of one particular sin or problem that controls our daily life. Lewis wrote, God will cure it all right, but God will not stop there. This may be all you ask, but once, but if once you call Jesus in, he will give you the full treatment. Our Lord has mercy on us. And throughout the Bible, the mercy of the Lord is used under different terms like steadfast love, kindness, great kindness, and faithful love. And friends, each of us has a unique story to tell about the good news of Jesus in our life. And we know we live by God's grace and mercy. And the question for us is, so what? What do we do? What do God's people do? And if we read the last two chapters of Paul's letter to Galatians, Paul reminds us the ethic of Christ. And the ethic of Christ is that I pour into you so that you can pour into someone else. And Paul teaches that we are being spiritual when we serve one another and the world in love. And professor and preacher 
by the name of Frank Thomas beautifully summarizes Paul's conclusion of his letter to Galatians this way. He says, The spiritual ones do not gossip about people or make fun of people by spreading their faults and flaws. The spiritual ones don't quote scripture to judge and condemn others. And this is how you know that you are spiritual. And there are two things. And one, you express the freedom and creativity of Christ to restore people in love and gentleness. And two, you bear the burden of others. Instead of judging and condemning others, spiritual ones would listen to others with empathy. Spiritual ones would speak encouraging words to others. They would forgive. They would pray for others. They would welcome strangers and accept those who have different opinions. Spiritual ones would serve others with humility and love as Jesus did. And when Jesus was walking on earth, his ministry was the ministry of love and liberation. And the religious leaders of his time called for exclusion and purity. But Jesus' ministry was about inclusion and diversity. And Jesus would welcome those who may not fit in society and religious institutions. Jesus would reach out people like adulterers, prostitutes, and tax collectors, and Jesus became their friend. And Jesus would break down the barriers of gender and race and culture and linguistic groups and class and generation. Everywhere Jesus went, he would change the lives of people and he would give, give them a new life. And the Spirit of Jesus is still doing the same thing with us. Emmanuel, God with us, is at work in our lives. And Christ has identified himself with us. He is one with us. He feels our pain with us. He experiences exhaustion with us. And he even experiences temptation with us. He heals us, He transforms us, and He gives us joy, and He gives us hope. This Christmas season reminds us how fortunate we are that God sent His only Son, Jesus, to us. We know that Jesus has done so much for us. What can we do for Jesus? What can we do for Jesus in 2015? What can we do for the rest of our life? Friends, serve one another and the world in love. And that's what Jesus did. To God be the glory. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The angels sang their anthems at the midnight hour and awoke a sleeping creation. Shepherds came to worship you and all went away rejoicing. Wise one, we come to offer our hearts to you this day so that we might dwell in your merciful heart. Emmanuel, we adore you this day.
You came to us in a baby, as a baby to hold us in your grace. You came to us in a stable so we would have no trouble finding you. You came to enrich our lives and you brought us hope in the midst of our poverty. Beautiful messenger of peace, we adore you. You play with us in the streets of your kingdom. You build a home deep within our hearts and souls. You walk with us through the springs and winters of life. You are wisdom from on high. Oh, Jesus, you inspire us. God of mercy and healing, you hear the cries of those in need. Receive the prayers of your people so that all who are troubled this day may know peace, comfort, and courage. We pray for those among us who are sick, lonely, distressed, broken in spirit or lost in heart. It was your son, the one come to us, the one come to accept and love us, that gives rest to those who are weary. Heal those in, who are sick in body, mind, and spirit. Lift up all who are distressed or depressed. Befriend those who grieve. On this day, we pray for children and young people, those men and women around this world who are in need of courage and of hope. We pray for families this day, ordinary, unusual, normal, broken, and healthy. We pray for families that function and those who can barely get along, that in these important times and special seasons, all families may discover again the grace of forgiveness, the mercy of forbearance, the power of hope, and the resilience of love, and that all people might find themselves in a compassion and adopting family of peace, hope, and mercy. And Lord of all this earth, we pray for all those women and men who are gathered into the life of your church and who with courage and conviction leave their homes and native lands and go in the name of Emmanuel, the Christ, to share the great good news with people near and far. On this day, we especially lift up our mission co-workers. We lift up Alan and Ellen Smith in Russia. We lift up Hilda Alcinder and her colleagues at Holy Cross Hospital in Laogon, Haiti. We lift up brother and sister Justin and Renee Sundberg in Nicaragua, Paul Matheny and Mary Nebelsek in the Philippines, Kate Tabor in Israel, and we lift up our new mission co-workers, Michael and Rachel Ludwig, educators and ministers in the land of the Republic of Niger. Bless them with persistence and courage on this most holy day, that they may know their connection to this congregation and to the greater ministry of the one that we call Emmanuel, the one who loved us and who gave us a prayer that binds us together around the world to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thanks for worshiping with us. 
For more information, visit us on the web at www.firstpresbyterian.org or send an email to info at firstpresbyterian.org. See you next week for another sermon from First Press.